Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Joy of Living and Learning Conversations with Phyllis. We are so happy you're tuning in. Tune in for the new and refreshing podcast that will stir your soul, challenge your mind, and bring clarity to subjects of interest. Today, we will be talking about music, a powerful medication for the spirit, soul, and the body. Our special guest today is Sam Perryman, someone incredibly special that I met at Howard University School of Divinity. Welcome, my friend, to my podcast, The Joy of Living and Learning, Conversations with Phyllis. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being with us. Well, today we're speaking on something that can change your life, right? Music. Tell my audience a little bit about yourself and how you landed in the world of music. Yeah, I've been doing music all my life. Um, when I was about four years old, I uh, had this gift of playing music that was recognized in grade school by um, a music teacher who called my mother and told her that I could play. And almost immediately after my playing ability was discovered, uh, she had me in church playing uh, during Sunday school. And that's one of the one of the places that I not only grew spiritually, but I also grew pianistically there. And of course, subsequent to that, over time, I studied music. Um, but that's that's sort of that, that's sort of where my beginnings and really where my roots are. And of course, because of my upbringing in music, I always kind of felt in, in church music, I've always kind of felt grounded um, as a result. Wow. Four years old? Four years old. Started playing. That's young. Five. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, so the psychology today says that music has a unique way of eliciting soothing feelings of joy, inspiration, and awe. And we can be moved to tears by a symphony, lifted out of heartbreak by an empowering ballad, or comforted with a song from our childhood. Have you experienced this with certain music and how so? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um I experience it all the time, and I'm always affirmed when people say, Sam, that song really, really touched my heart, or it lifted my spirit. That's that's a common theme that I hear from people. And I think, again, that, that comes as a result of all of those years that I've spent around people and learning how to connect with them and sort of learning which sounds sort of evoke uh, certain emotions. And of mm-hmm. course, the opposite happens as well. You know, there is some soothing music and then there is some music that sort of gets us going either in a hyperactive way or even in a hyperactive negative way, especially when one adds negative lyrics. So it works both ways is is the point that I'm making. Okay. so now what do you what do you like most about playing music? Well, it, it gives me an opportunity of being expressive and sort of sort of like any kind of art sort of takes you out of yourself and you sort of have an out-of-body experience, as it were. And of course, when I sort of combine that with my spirituality, then, you know, it, it music really helps me to get out of the slump, right? I get there, mm-hmm. I start playing, of course, just as I remember, especially Aretha Franklin, she always uh, used to talk about uh, her music reflects her mood, right? You know, if yeah. she's in a bad relationship, it's going to come out in her art, right? And the same mm-hmm. thing happens with musicians especially. So tell me about your favorite performance that you've ever done and why that was your favorite performance. Well, I think that uh, 
the favorite performances that I've done are, are primarily amongst people I know, for one, because it's, it's uh, and it, this may speak to the why, because it's sort of easier to connect with people when you know something about them. Can you imagine uh, giving a speech and you have no idea who you're speaking to? You're very welcome mm-hmm. to speaking to preschoolers. And here you come with a, a 10th graders speech or a speech that grown folk Right. But when you know the folk, then it really makes the experience more intimate, especially if you're close to them. And so I I would say a performance. I don't have to know a person's name, but there needs to be sort of a kindred spirit um, Mm. in order for Mm -hmm. that sort of magic to happen. But the other side is also true. How do you sort of reach people who you may not be as familiar with their context? Right. Um, and right. so all of that requires different approaches to how you do music. Okay. Now, how about your worst performance and what you learned from that? Mm-hmm. Or did you have a worst? Just the opposite. <laughs> you, everything can almost be flipped. Um, now, if, can if you I, think of a specific performance that was not good? <laughs> oh, well, I can tell you in church, I, I've done a whole lot of them. <laughs> and I've been called into the pastor's office and he said, well, what were you thinking? You know, and at several here in Washington, uh, and I think uh, primarily because people just couldn't connect with with what I was trying to communicate. And and as an artist, you know, you're you're trying to reach folk and you're trying to make a connection with them. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, there have been cases when you know some of the stuff I did just did not uh, reach them. And I do have uh, specific instances. They they were primarily in church. Uh, but they, they also have been give, us, give us some specific. Give us I, some specific. I played, for example, I played at the uh, Hot Hard Rock Cafe uh, once, and I think I was doing music that people really didn't identify a lot with. And I, I hear I'm speaking uh, perhaps to the fact that I'm a Christian and I do a lot of Christian music. And so if I go into an audience that's broader and I don't have the tools that are necessary, then there's a disconnect. Suppose I'm singing about Jesus to, you know, people who are atheists or people who do not uh, subscribe to my belief. They might, you know, be nice about it, but they probably might think, well, maybe I won't hear that performance again. And I have done things like that. And, you know, people have said, well, do you have anything else you can share? Which then sends me back home to say, well, let me learn some new stuff, right? Um, So those are the kinds of uh, disconnects. And I, I think uh, a particular performance, you know, we can talk about performances, but if, if the idea that the connection is missed, then we'll miss it. Well, I, I, I want to hear more about when the pastor called you in, what was it that you did that? <laughs> what is it that you did that he would call you in his office? It's not so much that I did. I think, you know, really, especially, and, and this is just my opinion, and it's, it's no aspersion on anyone, certainly not people of the cloth, uh, but people in general sort of want to hear certain stuff. Uh, you know, when you go to church and you hear gospel, there are people who want to hear, you know, what they heard on the radio. And when you come in singing a hymn and they want to hear Kirk Franklin, then and, and if the pastor feels that way as well, because oftentimes he or she says, whatever inspires my people inspire me and whatever doesn't inspire them. And so it kind of came out of that context. Sam, you are not connecting. It's primarily the people. Yeah. Are you not mm-hmm. connecting with me? I need something because I'm about to deliver this message. And what you gave me wasn't relevant to, you know, what it, what it is that I'm trying to communicate as the primary communicator or the preacher. 
So that was mm-hmm. sort of the context. And of course, I felt bad about it. And I went and I took it to heart and I went home and I, I worked on it and tried again the next Sunday. Now, do you play in uh, different denominations? Have you played at different churches that are different denominations? And, and if so, what do you find is the difference? Well, yeah, I, I've played at several. I'm a Christian Methodist Episcopal, and I sometimes explain to people who don't know what CME means. I say it's AME, but with a C, because people often know African Methodist Episcopal. Well, we are as well Black Methodists. And so that's one place I've played in a Methodist church, United Methodist Church as well. And there are more similarities than there are differences. Now, um, certainly in Pentecostal churches, of which I've played, um, Pentecostals are, are much more, in many cases, not all, much more charismatic. Um, I've learned a less, as much as I've contributed, and I've, I've learned some things that work better in one environment than the other. And I think that any any thinking person who's, you know, who's doing a music craft would perhaps keep that in mind. What are the differences? So that's a really good question. Now, do you have any thoughts on, in some churches, music is very different. Like you might go in a church and they have dancers, they have flag waving. Um, you know, there's just a whole lot of different things in the church service today than it was, let's say, you know, a while ago, back in the back in the day, do you have any thoughts on the new? And then also the type of music in some churches sounds not too much different than the worldly music. Do you have any thoughts on that? The dancing, the flag waving, the worldly sounding music. Well, um, I, yeah. Well, I, I do have opinions, but they're just opinions. <laughs> yes, and that's what I'm asking. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, you won't I, hold it against you. Yeah, yeah. There is no such thing as a holy B flat or a holy C, meaning the key or the sound is holy in it. I mean, I hear people saying that, and 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 what really matters to me the most is is being able to connect with people, right? And sometimes, unfortunately. Um, the focus of the connection may not be what it is that I want. I, I certainly want to do music that points to the cross as opposed mm-hmm. to music that points to Sam, right? I don't want it to be uh, a performance. And, you know, I know in some cases, you know, the performance and the theatrics are a bit more than they should be. Uh, but I, I think that, uh, you know, the whole flag waving and the praise teams and praise I, dance. Yeah, praise dancers and and um, of course the the traditional choirs, the big numbers are reduced to now five or six people um, in the front singing for fifteen minutes, changing the atmosphere. And I think that that's a positive thing as well because people are moving more towards uh, contemporary uh, services, and we have to move with mm-hmm. them. So I, I don't see it as an either or or a bad or good. Mm-hmm. It's just good music and not so good music. I think. Yeah, I know. I was raised in a Pentecostal church and, you know, there's a lot of activity going on there. And I've been working in some Presbyterian churches. Yeah. So there's a big, big difference, uh, you know, in in, in the style, the style of service there. So it's really, really interesting to 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 actually experience uh, both of those. Uh, Can I just can I just. uh Mentioned, I, I asked, I have a friend um, who is a minister who years ago I asked him, and I guess it must have been important, his response, because I still remember it. And I asked him about that, what's good music, what, what isn't? And he says the litmus test, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but does it have any redemption value? Does it 
does it move people toward the cross? You know, mm. if, if, if Ray Charles got people to heaven, then we'd use Ray Charles on Sunday morning, right? I think <laughs> yeah. that, was the, that was the point that he's making. And I think, I, I think that too, that's, that's what I wanted to share with you. Okay, that's good. So another thing that psychology today uh, says is, and it's not just in our heads, music has a deep impact on our emotional and physical well-being. And as countless studies have shown, it's um, no wonder we keep our favorite tracks on repeat. Now, yeah. this is where we come to music is good for the soul. It's not only, uh, it not only wants us to shake a tail feather, but it penetrates our soul and emits emotion, whether it's emotions of joy, sadness, or just conjuring up memories from the past, you know, good or bad. One example yeah. for me is when I first experienced the uh, murder of one of of one of my age group and this is back in the day and it was a very popular song and I can't remember the song but every time I hear that song I think of Beverly that was his name even today if you know if I hear that song I'll think of Beverly because that's the song that played on the radio you know over and over uh when that murder happened so um that was his name and that was and how the community react to, reacted to it that really comes to my memory so music has um the ability to conjure up memories whether whether good or bad do you find that also with you absolutely i mean people have always told me uh that singing, that song that I did reminded them of when they used to be in their home church years yeah. ago. It always kind of takes one back. And music, I think it's really supposed to take us on a journey, mm -hmm. right? Uh, lift us, and sometimes it does the opposite, but it's supposed to take us to another place. Right. And so that, I, I definitely understand that. So now, do you ever have performance anxiety? And if so, what's your process for dealing with that? Well, this could be performance anxiety right now talking. This is a performance, right? Um, and certainly, the, it, it, well, I mean, I, I one of the uh, go-tos is to just take a breath and just kind of slow down. Now, sometimes I get to moving too fast, trying to make sure I, mm -hmm. and the overthinking, that's another thing. And sometimes for me, it comes out on me being loquacious, talking too much. Sometimes it's not always necessary. And, and those are sort of, you know, telltale signs to me um, that perhaps I'm not connecting for some reason. There might be something between me and you um, that I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about something else while you're asking me a question and therefore I didn't hear what you asked me. Right. Those kinds of things eventually, you know, I become more accustomed to. And with practice, I get better. Uh huh. And you're just such a great, I guess, a pianist or piano player or whatever. I really, yes. I really don't envision you getting anxiety from playing the piano. Is that true? Depends. I mean, it's not always the same, but I mean, if, if, if I'm performing, you know, on a stage or something, especially someplace that I don't know, or people I don't know, you know, that's quite different than being very comfortable going to church and playing that country congregational stuff. Oh, yeah. People standing and clapping their hands. So uh -huh. those are two different atmospheres and uh, anxiety is, is, in both places, but not the same at home. Mm -hmm. But then that's true of anybody. I mean, when you leave home, you kind of feel a little different than when you were at home. But I, I was just thinking, sometimes I do solo dancing and I'm thinking, you know, if I make a mistake, nobody knows. But I guess with piano, if you hit the wrong note, somebody knows, huh? Oh. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. And they will let you know, right? Well, through applause, <laughs> through walking out, through not buying your right. tickets, there are a lot of ways of them saying that, was, that wasn't too good. That wasn't too good. 
Well, I know that music definitely is a mood changer for me. And one thing that I do is have my own joy playlist uh, mm. because there are some songs that, that bring you down and some songs that bring you up. And um, some of the songs that I like on my joy list and just depend on what mood I'm in, Lionel Richie, Jesus is Love. Yeah. That's just very soothing. Um, my um, mom wrote a, wrote a song and she used to sing it. Uh, my late mom, she's passed away now. And in her paperwork, I found the, I found the, the, the lyrics. So I had that song recorded. That's another song that lifts me up, um, the song by my mom. Um, Mariah Carey, Dream Lover. Yeah. Love that one. Uh, almost anything Whitney Houston. Yeah. Whether it's I want to dance with somebody, that's my go-to dance song, or uh, Greatest Love of All. What are some of your playlist songs? Well, let's just start with the Whitney Houston. I love any anything Houston as well. I love Aretha Franklin. I like Sam Cooke. You know, and Sam Cooke also did mm-hmm. gospel as well as uh, secular music. Um, and and those are some wonderful. For example, uh, Sam Cooke's uh, one of his the favorite songs that we did in church. Uh, with him. And I'm inspired even by these people, not just because I like how they sound and the lyrics, but I'm also um, paying attention to how they connect and how um, music is a tool that is used by an artist to reach people. And so I kind of look at, you know, um, I, I look at and look at people I'm inspired uh, by through a different set of lenses than just, you know, uh, the normal person would people just sometimes people buy records just because they like the way it sounds and that's important but sometimes I like other things about the recording I like the way um, the uh, instrumental sound I like what uh, a song stylist does in order to bring this interpretation to this song for example I was practicing Misty before we started because I so wanted to do that one on this podcast um, and, you know, I have my own interpretation, but at the same time, I can listen to someone else's interpretation and, and adapt to some of the things that really appeal to me. And then, you know, the audience likes it or they don't. Right. And so those are some of the ways I sort of right. uh-huh. work on myself and my music. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, another another song is um, R. Kelly. I believe I can fly, but I think we're supposed to be boycotting him, I think. <laughs> but I love the song. So when I am like when I'm down and want to feel like I can fly, I put that song on and it, it definitely lifts my spirit. And it's the simplicity of the songs as well. Um, yeah. So it doesn't have a whole lot of different turns in it. Um, and, you know, there's a song form that our ears have kind of become accustomed to uh, a verse and then a chorus and then. Uh, what some people call a bridge and then whatever it is, our, we, we become accustomed to hearing that. And so when someone presents something that doesn't kind of fall within that structure, you know, sometimes there's conflict. Right. Now, now some of the things that I would say to my audience that you can do to bring joy to your life as far as music, uh, put on some fun, dancey music and just let go in the middle of the work day or sing out loud um, in the shower or in the car. It makes me laugh. I know one time I was, um, was going to uh, be in a pageant and I was going to sing because I'm figuring I'm way in Atlantic City. Nobody knows me anyway if I don't sound that great. Oh, well. So I actually started taking voice lesson from a professional voice coach. And I thought I was sounding pretty good. So I was in the bathroom one day, you know, practicing my song. 
and I, my granddaughter passed by. She goes, my mom, you need some more voice lessons. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, okay. So I chucked that. And so I decided to dance instead of sing because dancing is really, really my thing. So I dance instead of sing. But whether you can sing or not, just sing out loud. And what are some of the things you would recommend people do when it comes to joy as far as music is concerned? Well, especially as it comes to, I was just thinking about that. And young people combining art forms, for example, giving um, some young people, or not so young, it doesn't matter, giving people a script, a play script, letting them study over it, something simple, and then suggesting that they find appropriate music to accompany certain parts of the acting that's in the script. For example, if there's a death scene, what kind of music would you use? You know, you wouldn't use mm-hmm. raindrops keep falling on my head when somebody's killing somebody, for example. Uh, that, right, and, right, and it right. can be fun uh, sort of learning. it. Not only that, but it also gives them an opportunity of learning some new music, right? Especially if you give them like, here are five CDs and I want you to, I know you don't know these songs, but I want you to listen to at least three songs and see where you put them. Well, you've already introduced them to something different, which is a creative way of helping to expand their repertoire. So it's that kind of stuff. And that that would also give me joy to see that happen. Yeah. Another thing I used to like to do, and I guess nobody, not everybody can find the opportunity to do this, but my brother was a rock and roll singer. And when I go hear him sing, sometimes I jump up on stage and me and my sister would be the backup singers for him. I might even post, I might even post a couple of those videos on my podcast. (laughs) So that would really, that would really bring joy and laughter to people, right? (laughs) So now we're to the point now where we're going to have Mr. Perryman to perform a couple of his go-to joy songs. Um, What songs are you going to perform for us today? Mr. Perryman? Well, I think I, I, I'm going to try to do the ones that we talked about. Amazing Grace, and then I want to put um, You Can Make It.
before we end our podcast today? Any last words for our audience? 
Yeah, um, I, I definitely think that music is such a powerful tool for a lot of reasons. One, it can transform an individual, you know, like myself, as well as those who I want to use it with. And because I spend a lot of my time uh, with young people trying to find creative ways of reaching them, and we know that they like music, um, then I'm always asking myself, well, how can how can we follow their musical interest and hopefully gain enough leverage in a bonding as a result of bonding with them so that they'll at least allow us to share some things as well? Because I really do think that you have to negotiate um, change with young people, you know, telling them stuff to do mm -hmm. just doesn't work in the long term. You know, it's almost that uh, give them what they want in order for you to get some of what you need from them. And so, as I mentioned earlier, this okay. whole idea of introducing new songs, regardless of what type of music it is, giving them a, an opportunity to perform because they want to perform, and then having them, whether it's the performing is dancing or, or just whatever it is, but also presenting some music to them so that they might be able to not only learn new songs, but perhaps have a new uh, outlook as a result of how that music affected them. And so I, I'm just saying that I think there are a lot of things that creative things that people can do to transform someone else's life and be transformed in the process. Right. Excellent. Excellent. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's our podcast for today. Get your favorite songs together and put them on a CD or a USB drive or whatever you do and play them in the car, play them at home to lift your spirits and Thank you to my special guest, Sam Perryman, my dear friend, a freelance musician. You can hire him to play for your church, your weddings or funerals or wherever you need a great piano player. Whenever the occasion calls for a great pianist, call Sam. He also offers private lessons, even on Zoom for adults or children, traditional method or play by ear. Email Sam at samperryman730 at gmail.com. That's S-A-M. P-E-R-R-Y-M-A-N 730 at gmail.com or call him at 240-595-4207. 240-595-4207. He's located in Washington, D.C. That's it for the joy of living and learning conversations with Phyllis. May peace and joy reign supreme in your life today and every day. I'm Phyllis Tucker Saunders saying... So long for now. <laughs>